East-West Draftcast may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello, everyone. Welcome to East-West Draftcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Greg. On the line with me is your other host, Jeff. Say what's up, Jeff. What's up, Jeff? And a special guest, Mr. Spencer Harris. What's going on, Spence? Not a whole heck of a lot. Today on the podcast, we've got a couple pick-a-card lists from Gatecrash, and then we have a couple cube pick-a-card lists, and then we're going to talk about cube. Uh, it's a topic we don't get to very often on this show, mostly because there are other podcasts that do it better, notably The Third Power, and uh, there's a new cube podcast put together by cube enthusiast uh, TSG and Kyle Eck called The Magic Box, which uh, they just started doing live streaming uh video shows on cube and then they're porting over the audio portion of that to mtg cast so check that out either in video or audio form uh but hopefully we won't do those other two podcasts a big disservice here by talking about cube on ours but with that said i mean you guys ready to to dive into this you want to get started do it i do want to get started all right we are going to do some gate crash pick cards first so that if you're not into Cube at all, you can just listen to this and then turn off the podcast or go do whatever you need to do. If you don't listen to the whole thing, I will find you. <laughs> I feel like it gives a disclaimer before. Yeah, we have a, a new wrinkle we're going to try out for the pick a card list. And if it doesn't work, we're probably just going to edit this out and you'll never hear about it again. But we're going to try using a timer to uh, limit the amount of time we have to discuss individual card uh, choices. So let's do a gate crash list first. And Jeff, are you ready with the timer? Oh, I'm ready with the timer. Okay. Pick a card, gateway shade or miming slime. Gateway shade or miming slime. What do you think, I think Spencer? I think the slime. Yeah, I think the slime for sure. I think I take the slime too. The slime, especially in uh, Gruul, has such an opportunity to just be a massive creature. I mean, like, you can do it with the uh, Scorchwalker, and you get a 5-5 five, five for 3. I think that's upside is way better than anything. Which, yeah. That's it for me, I guess. That was short. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like it, though. You guys both right. seem pretty convinced that Miming Next Slime card. was hard there. Wait, it's, it's one minute for both of us, not each? For everyone, yeah. Oh, next. Rough. You can make it a little bit longer, Jeff, so right, maybe we'll maybe push a little farther on this next one. Uh, right. Pick a card, Miming Slime or Cartel Aristocrat? Hmm. You want to take this one, Jeff? Uh, I'd still take this slime. The Aristocrat's just a bear, and bears are fine, but it's, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not super impressed with a bear that's kind of harder to cast. Yeah, I don't think the Aristocrat's really any good at all, so I'll stick with the slime. I like the Aristocrat. I like the sacrifice effects that can get you out from under cards like A Thousand Lashes or Agoraphobia or also just prevent an act of treason from stealing one of your guys. With that said, I'd also take the Slime. I think the Slime is uh, a more powerful card. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the act of treason thing is probably the most common thing you'll see, but then act of treason is a removal spell, which I guess is better than them stealing it if you're willing to sacrifice. So I guess you're getting value out of it, but I don't know. It, it feels like a bear to me. It, I don't know. And bears are easy to come by. You can just grab some gutter skulks and be happy. I've, I've seen the aristocrat just get there by getting protection from whatever a 
potential blockers there are, and just with especially with Orzov, it's such just like, like a you know an incremental game, and then sometimes you just need to get in there for two, and you can give one of your guys. Second. Shut up! Stop talking. <laughs> Twice. I love, I love the timer. All right. Next card. A little pick, insulting. Pick a, <laughs> pick a card. Miming slime or fortress cyclops. Hmm. Probably take the cyclops. Uh, I'm still gonna go with the slime. I mean, I don't know. The cyclops seems like the weaker of the five drops in white red, like compared to the common ones, the uh, the four four and the three five. I agree. You think it's you guys think it's cyclops is worse than those? Yeah, Often, be- oftentimes yes. Because wow. it it just trades with something really on every attack. Like it's not. It's a fine blocker, and uh, sure, if you get rid of everything on the other side, obviously it's the better attacker, but I just don't think that happens very often. It just trades with something that costs less mana. There's a lot of good red-white common pump spells, though, and there's aerial maneuver and things to make it larger. I mean, it just hits so hard and it blocks so well. I don't know. I think it's pretty good. It's not that. It's not bad, per se, but I'm just the upside of it over the other five drops is pretty low, and... I'd rather have a three drop in Miming Slime that, admittedly, you don't play on turn three that often. No, yeah, it's not really a three drop. It's but, more like a, closer to five. But. Sure, but I guess the mana investment for the, the creature you get, I like more with Miming Slime. All right, next card. Okay, so I guess it's Miming Slime slash for- Fortress Cyclops for the two of you versus Signal the Clans. Mm. I have played this card. It's not unplayable. It's better than I thought it was going to be upon set review. Yeah. I mean, it looked like, why would I spend two mana? I'd just rather play another creature. But it's two mana to get, like, like at least the third best creature in that situation. So that's not bad. Um, I so found... that's kind of like the dream scenario with this card, just getting three creatures and you get to keep the worst one? No, that's not the dream scenario. That's, that's the worst shitty case. shitty scenario. Uh, the dream scenario is getting the best one. Well, I mean, worst case, I, I guess I should rephrase dream to worst case scenario. And, you know, I mean, you don't always get the best or the worst, but what's the overall, what's the, the highest upside this card can have? That it gets not, the best creature in your deck for two yeah. mana? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's because it, it's green-red, it's often just a blood rush spell. Like, that costs a lot of mana, sure, but you can attack in, since it's instant speed, and they do some kind of block, and then you're just like, okay, I'm just going to go grab one of these three Blood Rush guys. It doesn't matter which one I get, because they all do the same thing right now. And, so you know, it's just, what are you guys can't. picking? I'll pick that. Cyclops. I'll pick the signal. Okay. It's a good oh. point, though, getting, getting the Blood Rush cards. Yep. That's that's usually the best use I've seen of it, is getting a Blood Rusher, another creature. I, and... I, I don't know if you guys heard the timer, but we can't talk anymore. Another <laughs> thing to say. So many more things to say. All right, nope. so Signal slash Cyclops versus Death Cult Rogue. Oh, slamming the Rogue. <laughs> Card has yeah. been real impressive to me. Uh, I mean, the fact is is that, I mean, it's no Phantom Monster. If there was a Phantom Monster in this set, it would be really good. You mean Phantom but, Warrior? Yeah, that's what I meant, not Phantom yeah. Monster. Phantom Monster is good, though, right? Yeah, that's a 3-3 three, three flyer for four. <laughs> yeah, okay. Phantom Monster would also be good in the set. No, Phantom, it's no Phantom Warrior, but it's it's pretty close because if you are if you are Demir, um, you're the color with all the rogues, 
which means you've been cutting it the whole time. So there's a lot less rogues around the draft, which is nice. Um, and, I mean, sure, like, it's just a 2-2 two, two for 3, but Cypher is, is a real thing. Shadow Slice is absurd and things like that. So I like Also, on a, on a side note, his face kind of looks like Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. how, how often do you play that it's card that. in Orzov or Simic for double color? Like, All the time. Good amount in Orzov, Simic less so, but I'll still ah. jam it as a 23rd. Oh, no way. He's good. He's good in Simic. He's fine. I mean, ah. he doesn't grow your guys, though, really. Are you guys true. both guys. taking the uh, Death Cult ropes? Yes. Oh, nice. In stereo. All right. Last one on the list. Pick a card. Death Cult Rogue or Righteous Charge? Ooh. Um, I like Righteous Charge a lot. I've been real impressed by that card. Uh, I think it's a lot more narrow than the Death Cult Rogue, so I'd probably just take the Rogue. Um, but that's that'd be really tough for me. I haven't really played with Righteous Charge that much. Um, I mean, initial assessment is it's not very good, right? But Jeff, you're saying it's actually pretty sweet? Yeah, it's a yeah. good card. Because Boros has so many small guys, and you set up this thing where they're at very low life, but your guys are all too small now, and you just get this one turn where your three guys are all massive. They have to chump each one, and now they're just screwed because you just three for one them or whatever. And you get battalion bonuses too. Yeah, or you just win the turn you cast it. Just like a really bad overrun. Yep. Yeah, bad overrun is still good. It's a bad yeah. overrun that's a lot cheaper, and that's what makes it playable. Overrun was probably too good. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty damn good. I think I'll still stick with the Rogue, though. I would take Righteous Charge off of this list, but the timer's up. Are you the guys ready up. Ready for another list? Oh, I'm ready. We're just going to fire yeah. this shit off. It's great. All right. I'm going to up the, uh, the power level here. All right. Pick a card Fire Fist Striker or Zertos Wine. Oof. Uh, Striker. It's an uncommon, harder to come by. The effect is pretty, uh, what's the word? Uncommon. <laughs> pretty, pretty. <laughs> uh, but, and it's, it's a single color, which is nice. Although it's much better in Boros, obviously. I think, I agree with you, Jeff. I think that the Striker is one of the better Boros cards you can have in the set. It's, I mean... With Battalion just making their best guy not able to block all your dudes is just so powerful. But I do like the Swine. But that being said, I'm still going to stake the uh, Striker. Yep. Two-drop versus five-drop typically goes to the two-drop but in yeah. this format. But the fact that it's close tells you a lot about both of these cards. Yeah. Swine is real powerful. And it goes really late, and it shouldn't. But I think that's just because people avoid Gruul in general. Yeah. Fuck the timer. Let's just keep going. <laughs> oh! Just in time. Pick a card. Fire Fist Striker or Cinder Elemental. Mm, so this... Uh, so I know what you guys are picking. Because I've talked to you guys about this card a lot. And I was not sold for the longest time that Cinder Elemental was a bad card. Uh, until I played with it. <laughs> and it's a bad card. Um, I'm going to take this card. It's, it's just, bad. It doesn't fit in like any deck. Like no red deck wants that card. It's just really slow. Yeah, it's in not, neither of the red decks want to be slow. They want to be fast decks. You don't want to spend all your mana on the same card two turns in a row. Yeah, I mean... In, a, in any deck. Yeah, I don't know. 
It's, it's, I mean, the idea of a fireball on a 2-2 creature seems like a good idea and seems worse than fireball, but you don't know how much worse than fireball it actually is until, you know, you have to pay it for four and turn four, and like, I just want to kill something this turn. I don't want to wait till next turn to kill something. It's got, like, suspend for four and then tap all your mana and empty your pool when it comes into play. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's kind of a win more card in my experience in that if you can land it on turn four when you're already winning... Oh and yeah, you're right. almost certainly going to win. I'm with you guys, so I take the striker. All right, pick a card: Firefish Striker or Madcap Skills. Ooh, Madcap Skills, son. No, I'll take the striker still. The skills is the skills is nice, but uh, I'll definitely take the efficient two drop over the creature enchantment. Yeah, I will say that I've lost more games against Madcap Skills, but that's probably because it's a common and not an uncommon. I think that the striker is probably the better card, although Madcap Skills is really, really, really frustrating to play against. Yeah. It's just, you just... I, it's so impossible to play around. I don't know. It's just tough. Like, they get in it... They get in once, and it's really getting in more than three damage because the creature they're putting on couldn't have attacked anyway. And then sometimes they put it on things like the goddamn armored transport, and it's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> like, it sucks. Like, what do I do? I just have to have to draw the removal spell or I lose. That's definitely yeah. my favorite target. Yeah, it's a good one. But yeah. anyway, I take the striker still. Both of you are yeah. on the striker. I think that's right. Still on the striker, yeah. Okay, next up, Firefish Striker or Vyashino Shanktail? Ooh. Shanktail is going on pretty late. I think later than they should. And that being said, I think they might. I might personally overvalue them a little bit. Um, not necessarily because of their their one toughness, but just paying four mana for maybe just a three power creature for f- for four total combined power toughness just doesn't really get there all the time. And, and I'll probably stick with the striker. Yeah, I mean the Shanktail definitely has more versatility. Uh, I think that it's better in more decks than the striker would be. Although I don't think it's the same power level. I think the striker's better overall. Um, yeah, I guess with that said, I'll just take the power over the versatility. Obviously, Blood Rush is the the obvious versatility card, but yeah. Can we do a quick run back and let's pretend that Firefish Striker wasn't on the list? Would you guys take Vaishino Shanktail over Zertos Wine? Probably. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Uh, last up, Firefish Striker versus Experiment One. Pick a card. This mm. is this is a good one. Uh. I think that I take the striker just because I think red is the better color, but I think these cards are very on par for power level. Uh, the the one mana guy is is pretty much a one mana three three. I mean, if you're playing it in the right deck, I guess. But but I mean, they're all the right. I, if you're playing green, you're gonna get it up to a three three. At least, yeah. Uh... And then like that's real powerful. It's not as fast as like a Nakatl that hits three three, like right First away. In, li- in limited, you it kind of is. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's good. It's definitely good. Although I've never you- regenerated it. <laughs> I just don't. I. It's like whenever it comes up, it's like I'd rather just trade my guy than shrink it and have it not die. Hmm. I've definitely seen it regenerated to some good use, you know, against an opponent, but. Uh, do you, do you guys like the Experiment 1 better than the Cloudfin Raptor? Yes. Uh, I don't, because I like blue more than green, but... 
I think it's better card, maybe. I think why, do you, why do you like it more, Greg? I just I think it's a more powerful card in the abstract. I do think that in some decks, particularly in like I mean a a De, in a Demir deck would much rather have the Raptor if like if ex- Experiment One was also blue. You understand what I'm saying? Like if Experiment One costs the same as Cloth and Raptor, I think Demir yeah. would rather have Raptor. But I don't know. So do you guys both take Firefist Striker off of that list? Yeah, I think so. I think I do. Okay, crazy. Um, you want to do one more Gate Crash or get over to Cube? Oh, these these are going pretty fast. We can do another Gate Crash. Love the yeah. timer. All right, pick a card. Angelic Skirmisher or Wrecking Ogre? Hmm. Oh boy, you went you went Pretty real good. big on this one. Yeah, I, I'm I'm built you up to it. Uh, this is like they're pretty much even. How would you like to win the game? Would you like to win with a giant double strike blood I rush? I think it's the ogre. It costs one less. Is really what it comes down to, and they tend to both end the game when they come down. I don't know if that's true. I've definitely seen games with the skirmisher go on for a while. Yeah, but does the person with the skirmisher lose? I mean, I'm saying they end, they don't end the game that turn, but the game's oh, yeah. over. You know, oh, well, like, Wrecking Ogre ends the game that turn. I know. I'm saying the skirmisher, it doesn't end the game that turn, but when they cast it, it's like, okay, well, I could fight this for a while, but really I could just concede and the same thing would happen. Well, I mean, what's better, losing immediately or losing in a few turns? It doesn't matter if you're losing either way. <laughs> well, I mean, I think what Spencer's saying is that you have more outs to the skirmisher because you have a couple turns to draw maybe a removal spell. Whereas if someone blood rushes a wrecking ogre onto an unblocked three three, you're just taking twelve damage and probably dying right then and there. Sure. Yeah. I, I can buy that. But they're both sweet though. They're both pretty pretty even. Yeah. I I, I like the five mana versus six mana. So is there anything to be said about taking the white card over the red card? Hmm. Not in my opinion. Not in my opinion either. Okay. Uh, next up, wrecking ogre versus giant Ataphage. Ooh. Ogre. Ogre. Uh, yeah. Mana cost. Yeah. Okay, well, that was easy. Let's just keep going. Wrecking Ogre or Consuming Aberration? Oh. Uh, I played with this guy, uh, although he's a mythic, right? Or no, he's not mythic. He's just, he's just rare. He should be mythic. <laughs> he was a, the pre-release card. I mean, well, so he's slow, but... Um, he's so powerful, though. God. when? Yeah, when he's on the board, it's like... Sure, it doesn't have evasion. They could jump it every turn, but it's just like you can't get past. Like they're just they're just gonna mill you out if you yep. don't. Like if if you if you can deal with it every turn, they're just gonna mill you out. So I don't know. It, it's really good, but at the same time, still the wrecking ogre does the end, end the game the turn yeah. you use it. So I think I'm gonna go ogre as well. It's also monocolored, so that's something. Spencer. I think the Ogre is significantly better than the Aberration. It, I mean, I actually don't think that this card's that good. I mean, I think it's obviously a good card, but in the context of this list, I don't think it's as good as either of the first two cards we talked about. Uh, I mean, basically, it's just like a, like Jeff said, it's just a giant creature. They can jump all day if they want to. And, I mean, there's sometimes when you draw it, and it's, it's not very big, you know? Sometimes there's just not a lot of cards in the graveyard. I've had somebody cast it, and it immediately died because they were a moron. <laughs> 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 oh, the timer came in at a perfect time for that one. <laughs> yeah. All right, next up, Wrecking Ogre or Master Biomancer? Ooh. I've had Biomancer in a deck once. I never saw it, uh, so I don't know how it plays. It's I the assume, greatest. I assume it's the greatest. <laughs> I, I mean, love that card. It, it seems really, really good. It's also mythic. Uh, 
which does say something like to its power level. They wanted it to not show up as much in limited. Ah, man, it's I'm so tempted to not take it though because I think Simic is the worst guild. Oh no way! Oh way! Think Simic's the worst guild? Definitely the worst guild. Wow, I just screw with that. What yeah. do you think is the best guild, Spencer? Um, or the worst guild, I should say. Depends on how I'm feeling at, at that particular draft. The worst guild, I don't know. I know you guys are both disagree with me, but I'm gonna say Orzov. <laughs> Spencer had a rough night drafting Orzov a couple days ago. Oh fuck. Orzov is top two. Orzov and Boros are the top two, I think. Yeah. Well, anyways, Master Biomancer, I think it just doesn't. It's like the same thing, same sort of concept as Cinder Elemental. It's like you pay all your mana and it enters the battlefield and you get a two four. I mean, you're not going to have much more mana to work with beyond that four, so it's like you have to wait till next turn before it starts doing work. Yeah, but a two four for four is pretty good in this format. I don't know. I I do think the Wrecking Ogre is just as good, if not better. But I don't know. It's close. I really like the Biomancer. All right, pick a card: Wrecking Ogre or Domri Raid. Ooh. Uh, I'll take the Planeswalker. I've never played with Domri in limited. I'm not sure. I played against it. It was very frustrating. <laughs> I played with it in standard. I didn't think it was that amazing. That's not the same thing. But it's a little different, yeah. yeah. Nothing even close. I was thinking the ogre. Yeah, I, I, the the ogre doesn't get you out of bad spots where the like the ogre is like just like haha, I killed you. Where huh. the domri raid is like I can draw you into stuff and kill your opponent's creatures, and it, it just it is pretty. Pretty much a card advantage machine in limited. If you're if you're dead on board, the Domri can save you and still live. And where if you draw the ogre, it's really does nothing in your hand on defense. Or it doesn't. I mean, uh, I can block three three double striker is a pretty good blocker. It's yeah. a pretty good blocker, but like it doesn't it doesn't kill a dude and then stick around a turn and maybe draw you an extra card next turn. I mean, you need if you're if you're dying, you need card advantage, right? You need your your one card to kill two or draw you an extra card. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying well. I don't know. I, I just think that it, it has more value overall uh, over the course of a game, um, and it's better in more situations, but it definitely doesn't have nearly as a powerful of, of an effect as the Ogre does. Yeah, it's true. I, I don't know. I I like Planeswalkers, though. They just seem so fucking powerful when they hit the board. Yeah, especially they, they, yeah. they change the way your opponent plays a lot. With that said, I'd probably still rather have the Ogre just because it can just win games out of nowhere. And yeah. it's only one color. And I've played with Domri. And when you plus one him and just look at a land two turns in a row, it feels like a worthless card. It feels so yeah. bad. I bet. All right. Uh, so Domri slash Ogre versus Aurelia, the war leader. Ooh. <laughs> so I had an interesting statistic from Ryan Hogan about this card. Okay. Where he's like, he was talking to me online, and he's like, just drafted Aurelia for the fourth time. Hopefully I'll get to cast her for the second time. <laughs> so six mana is a lot uh, for a white-red deck, and uh, it seemed, at least in Ryan's experience, that she often just didn't she just didn't come into play. Um, I don't think he was necessarily losing the games that he wasn't casting her, but uh, I don't know. I just I think that in that deck, because you're definitely Boros with her, right? You have yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, the six-mana card is just not as good as the five-mana card. If if we're talking about Wrecking Ogre here, I, I picked Domri last time, so uh, I guess I'd stick with the Planeswalker. 
to be fair, really, that does all the, the the argument that we've been making for the ogre this whole time is that it just wins the game when it comes into play. Aurelia does that quite well in, as well. Yeah, but for another mana. For another mana. I don't know. you, you got to take the flying Vigilance Haste 3-4 Angel, I guess. I mean, you can't really pass a card like this. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Last up, Domri slash Aurelia versus Obzadot Ghost Council. Uh, Obzadot. Obzadot. <laughs> okay, never mind. That was too good. <laughs> That's like the best limited card I've played with. It's like yeah, the it's best standard card right now, too. Oh, it's so good. Man. Everything's sorcery speed removal. All the good removal that can kill it effectively, except for Hideous, or the, the two black, two colorless one, is all sorcery speed, too. Yeah, it's it's really good. Okay, well then, well, I guess we'll pretend that one wasn't on the list. And uh, Jeff, you ended on Domri Raid, and Spencer, you ended on Aurelia? I did. I don't think you could really go wrong with any of the cards in that list, except for <laughs> Giant Atophage. Totally. Yeah. Probably true. <laughs> All right. So uh, I've got a couple lists here, but I'm going to save those for later. Let's do a couple of cube lists real quick. Okay. Uh, I will say before we start these cube lists, uh, for those of you cube enthusiasts out there, um, you may have your own cubes, or maybe you've just played with MTGO's cube. Uh, these lists are from our cube. They're not from MTGO's cube. So, like, they might have cards in it that aren't in there. So you might say, wait, that's not a cube card. But it is for us. Um, so just remember that. All right. So we will start with list one. Surprising. <laughs> uh, Greater Gargadon versus Sinan Blood. I don't like either of those cards. Well, this list is kind of underpowered cards. Not necessarily, but... Not, I mean, I don't think either of those cards are underpowered. They're cube cards, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's all in the context of the cube, right? Yeah. We should quickly explain that ours is a powered cube. We have, like, Moxin and Black Lotus and Ancestral Recall and all that fun stuff in there. Uh, with that said, I'm slamming the Gargadon here. I really like that card, actually. You can do some really dumb dumb things with that versus, like, with things like Armageddon and other, like, Wrath effects, and it's just really good against opposing removal and so on. I mean, there is a lot of spot removal in this in this format. And if you're trying to get cute with it and just sacrifice a bunch of permanents to it in some sort of tricky way, I mean, there's a lot of things that could just, you know, tear it, you know, terror it right immediately and just kind of make all that effort for nothing. Yeah, but I think to Greg's point, like, you don't really do that unless you're doing something like Geddon, like where it's... I guess they can still tear it after Geddon. That's true. It's just, a, like, the, the body it has is kind of... Irrelevant in Q. We're not irrelevant, we're just not as good as some of the other bodies. Nine seven's a pretty big body. Haste. Girl, oh, look at that bigger. body. Look at <laughs> that right. body. So, uh, Spencer, did you take a card? or? Yeah, I'll take Sign of Blood. Okay, so... Or is it Sign of Blood or Barter and Blood? Sign. Sign, I'll take that. Alright. Sign of Blood or Gargadon versus Exalted Angel. The Morph one? The Morph one. Morph one, yeah. Four or five lifelink. Flying. I'll take the Exalted Angel. Actually, not Lifelink. It's it's tri- the other thing, yeah. Triggered Lifelink. I'm still I'm sticking with Garganon. I think it's a little more flexible of a card. Yeah, I would also go Garganon. I'm also I really like red decks that aren't aggro, which is really weird because we don't support it very well in our cube. But I love blue red. That's my favorite deck. So, um, yeah, I would take Garganon. Uh, all right. So, did you take the Angel, Spencer? 
I took the angel, yeah. Okay. Angel and Gargadon versus Rampant Growth. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll take the growth. Spencer <laughs> just every every time you name a new card, he's like, ah, just give me that one. All I hate all of these cards. <laughs> Another Ryan Hoganism is that in any cube, you're always going to have some sort of green ramp, and it's always a viable strategy just to take the rampant growth esque cards and then just the largest monsters you can find because you can always get them late. And you know, if you're casting your seven sevens two turns earlier than everybody else, you're pretty far ahead, and I think he's right. Yeah, I mean the the expensive spells in cube are ridiculously backbreaking, so. They are often worth ramping into for sure. Uh, yeah. Ramping both ramps you one land, though. I mean, it's not like a a Black Lotus or even a Thran Dynamo necessarily. I'd still take the Garganon. I would take the Growth as well. Uh, I think the ramp is is worth it. But all right, Gargadon or Growth versus Gilded Drake. Hmm. I like the Gilded Drake. I actually like this card. I like Gilded Drake as well. That's one of my favorite cube cards, if only because it is like it requires a lot of skill to play that card correctly. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, whether like you're using a crystal shard or something else, it, it can just do really, really stupid stuff. Yeah. Yeah. To uh, to just tell people, this is this is not an MTGO card, so you might not know what it does. It's a one colorless and a blue for a three three flying. When it comes into play, you swap it with an opponent's creature. And that's a triggered thing, so you can do broken stuff with it. So it's always... A 3-3 three, three flying for two in cube is always worse than what you're getting back. I mean, it's not almost always. It's always worse. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there aren't very many vanilla... or there, There's essentially close to no vanilla creatures in the cube, so... Or, I guess, virtual vanilla. Uh, yeah, but I, I'll also take the Drake. I like that card a lot. All right, sweet. Um, all right, Gilded Drake. We're on the same page now. Versus Fire Ice. Mm. Blue red card. I know what Jeff's taking. Actually, I don't know what Jeff's taking, but I don't like Fire and Ice that much. I think it's kind of uh, as far as blue red, you know, instant sorcery type spells go. I, I think it's one of the worst ones that we have in our cube, and I, I still like the broken things you can do with the Drake. Yeah, I'm sticking with the Drake as well. Fire Ice is is nice and it's very versatile. But if you, it's like the worst charm ever. I mean, yeah, tap something, tap something, draw a card is fine. Two damage split any direction is is fine, but not overwhelmingly powerful in my opinion. Especially considering the relative power level of all the other cards in the cube. Like if you yeah. can two for two for one somebody with the fire half of it, you're obviously doing great. But there aren't that many one toughness creatures in the cube that would. Allow allow you to get away with that. Yeah, I'd take the Drake too. It's just higher power level, but I think it's pretty close here. Uh, Fire Ice is real important for <laughs> the blue red deck that I love because it it has trouble with some early stuff. Shut up. I can deal. With. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gilded Drake versus Scroll Rack. Uh, Drake again. Scroll Rack is just too slow. It's just. I don't know, just picking all those cards up, putting them down. I just want to turn guys sideways. I want to do all that shit. It's not like Drake is a fast card. Uh, it's more fun. Just You get to steal things, bounce it back to your hand, steal more things. It sounds like you're dirtling quite a bit. Uh, it's less dirtly than a scroll rack. Come on. I know. Scroll rack's the definition of dirtle. Yeah. Scroll rack is okay, but it's just one of those... It feels like a win more card as well, where... Yeah, sometimes you can stack your draws and, and, and exchange cards and all that and have fun and 
sculpt this perfect hand, but other times you just like go to scroll rack and then you pick up three lands and you're like, oh great. Right. Not winning this game, you know? Well, if one of those lands is a fetch land, you're pretty stoked. Sure. That's a great point. But you know what I'm saying is, like, sometimes you can scroll rack and just look at how doomed you are, and I hate cards like that. Yeah, I, th- I hate cards that make games take forever, and that is scroll rack's definition. Holy yeah. shit, that's the longest goddamn turn ever when somebody yeah. scroll racks. Especially with- that scroll rack online is fine, but scroll rack in real life is kind of a pain in the ass. Because you got to pull all the cards just, up. Just to actually do it, yeah. Just hold them, like, against each other to figure it all out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, all right, last card. Gilded Drake versus Tectonic Edge. Mm. I think Drake's far and away the best card in this list. I like land destruction spells and lands in cube, but with that said, I would lean towards Drake just because I'd have more fun playing with that card. Yeah, I think I think that's the big thing about Drake on this list, is Cube is a lot about having fun, and Gilded Drake is by far the most fun card on this list. At the same time, it's probably the least fun. for your, If you're having fun with Gilded Drake, your opponent's <laughs> having no fun. This is true, this is true. You're having fun, Paul ain't having fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I put Technotic, like, I was like looking for a land that, would be comparable on this list, and it's pretty tough because the lands are either like just way too good, or like kind of mediocre. Like Tectonic Edge is a pretty mediocre land. Okay, so what about just a Shock Land versus Gilded yeah, I Drake? I didn't put a, a mana producing land because I was looking for a utility one, but uh... but I'm asking you, would you take like uh, an Overgrown Tomb over Gilded Drake? Uh, pack one, pick one. No, probably not. No. Okay. I mean, it's, they're just not, they're not going to do, I mean, I, I would rather just take a card I'm going to cast on my first pick. Okay, fair enough. All right, that was uh, list one. Um, this next list is, uh, it's got a theme. I guess the other two lists have themes. That one didn't really, it's just cards. Um, all right, so theme list number one, Chandra Nalar versus Liliana Vess. Remind me which one Chandra Nalar is. She's the five mana one that you can minus X to kill things. and She deals, she pluses one for one damage to a player. Cool. What's her ultimate do again? Is it relevant? Uh, deals six damage to everything on their side of the board. Oh, there. yeah, one-sided Inferno. Or no, That's right. ten, ten damage, I think. Jeez. It's like Flame Wave. Either yeah, way, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it doesn't happen very often, but yeah. I'll take Liliana. Yeah, I like Liliana a little bit more, too, just because I love her tutor ability. Just yeah. being able to fetch up any card in your deck is, even at five mana, is still very powerful in cube because you're playing all the best spells in your colors in the magic universe, essentially, when you're playing cube. And sometimes the discard is relevant, and if they like if they can't kill her and you get to tutor twice, good game, you know? Yeah, uh, I think... It's mostly comes. I would take the vest too. I think it's mostly about the fact that Chandra Nalar is really not on the plan that the rest of the red cards in the cube are on, <laughs> and Liliana Vest is definitely on the plan that that you know Black X decks are on, which is maybe to combo out or do some broken shit. Just be controlling for most of the time. Just be able to search up what you need. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, my timer stopped working. But... <laughs> Ring. Shut up. 
Ring, ring. Uh, so Liliana Vess versus a Johnny Goldmane. Ooh. Spencer? It's a tough one, actually. Yeah, I'm legitimately pretty torn on this one. They're both, in my opinion, and I think most people would probably like the Liliana more, but I, I'm always a fan of the kind of, like, white weenie sort of cards. I don't think... I'd, I don't actually think a Johnny is that good, but I just kind of have, you know, I can just like him, you know? It's one of those cards you just like. That's fine. I I also like a Johnny Goldman a lot. I think he's one of the best Crusade effects we have in our cube, and we do tend to support white aggro strategies pretty well. I think it's slightly more powerful than Liliana within the context of our cube, and that's the card I would take. It's also, like Spencer said, the card that I like more, and I'd just rather play with him than with Liliana. Yeah. Yeah. My... Uh, I've had a Johnny Goldmane in a deck with like essentially no creatures before <laughs> online, awesome. and it was because I was like I don't even remember what I was doing something really shitty. I think, <laughs> I think it was the forcing the issue wildfire deck actually. Oh, nice! Because I was like I wanted to draft planeswalkers for my win cons, and like I ended up with like a Johnny Goldmane and the like four mana Chandra, just a bunch of things that don't really win you the game <laughs> as planeswalkers. <laughs> And it was uh, pretty hilarious. I, I gained a bunch of life with a Johnny and made a uh, Avatar one game, and then they just bounced it to me. <laughs> huh. I don't know. Anyway, that story aside, uh, I'll take the Liliana myself. Liliana's probably fair. I think that's fair. Um, all right. So a Johnny Goldman or Liliana Vess versus Tezzeret the Seeker. Not a very common cube card, but it is no. a cube. We've never really been able to make any of the Tezzerets work to that any great of extent in our cube. Um, I don't know. That being said, I'll probably take a Johnny. Yeah, I would take, I think, every Planeswalker in the list over Tezzeret the Seeker. It's just yeah. too narrow of a card. Like, you really have to be all in on artifacts. Yeah, I mean, it. It. it's definitely, like, I don't know. It doesn't have a five-mana effect is the problem. Even if you build around it, like... It just doesn't feel powerful enough. Um, yeah, I think it's the worst walker in the cube, which I am happy about. I don't like super powerful walkers, so... But anyway, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Liliana Vess. What do you guys think about the other Tezzeret? Tezzeret, Agent, oh, Olas? Uh, well, let's talk about it, because it's the next card on the list. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Johnny Goldman versus Tezzeret, Agent, of Olas. I don't remember what that one did again. Uh, it's a blue and a black and two colorless. Uh, it starts with three counters. You can plus one it to look at the top four cards and take an artifact out of them and put it in your hand. Top five cards. Top five. Yep. Uh, mi- minus one it to make an artifact a 5-5 five, five creature permanently. And then the last thing is, like, doesn't really happen. It's like a drain life. I mean, this one's got to be way better, right? I mean, just the second ability just to turn... Yeah, it is better. That's, it's permanently, but if you don't play with this card a lot... They'll have they'll turn a creature or a dude into a five five and they're like okay it turns over it goes back to mana vault and they're like nope fuck you to five five yeah it's, it's permanent I'll, uh, I'll have to pay four mana to untap it still but it's still a five <laughs> five damn it <laughs> yeah no I, uh, I think agent of bolus is a lot better than the seeker just yeah. it's it comes down a turn earlier and I think it's, both of its effects are stronger yeah uh, so did we talk about which card we would take. I'm still on a Johnny. I'll probably take Agent of Bolas because I like to force things that are probably bad in our cube. <laughs> uh, I will stick with my Liliana. Okay. Uh, 
this is probably where the tides are going to change. Uh, Liliana Vess, uh, or a Johnny Goldman, or a Tezzeret Agent of Bolas, because we're all on different cards now, um, versus Garrick Relentless. All right, let's all get on the same page. Yeah, Garrick, Garrick is the pick. <laughs> <laughs> Any of the Garricks are the pick. Yeah, this is the worst Garrick, but not by a lot, and it's still good. I mean, token generators are, are good. I, I actually like Garrick Relentless a lot. I think just a Planeswalker that can remove a creature, whether, I mean, admittedly a small creature, three three toughness or less, is pretty good. It's a really versatile card. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Um, I thought this guy w- was was sick when it was when we were drafting it in, uh, you know, whatever set it was, Dark Ascension or Innistrad. Innistrad, Innistrad yeah. Uh, I still think it's pretty sick in this set. I, I definitely take this Garrick or any of the Garricks over the cards on the list. Um, it's just one of those cards that if you just don't kill it right away, it's just gonna it's gonna win the game. Uh, real quick, do you guys think it's the worst Garrick, or do you think the other two might be worse, or what? I think the other two are better. Yeah, I think I think so too. But you're probably right. I kind of like this guy better than the original Garrick, but he's probably not as good. I don't know, all that ramping you guys were talking about with yeah, ramping growth, like, Garrick Loudspeaker is, like, one of the best green ramp cards in the cube. Original's my favorite, but, anyway. Now we have Garrick Relentless versus last card, which is Venser the Sojourner. Venser? Damn near killed her. Yeah, we were, we, we we ended on Gilded Drake last time, and, yeah, oh if boy, that's a combo. Slurping Gilded Drake card, I guess you gotta take Venser. <laughs> well, you don't have to. But uh, Venser is your brother's favorite card, Jeff. It is. If Jason was on the podcast, it would be Venser over everything every time. Yeah. I'd be with Jason on this one. Venser is definitely my favorite of these. Yeah, he's pretty cool. I'm going to take Garrick still, though. I think the token generation is pretty solid. Venser is one of those cards where you see it and you, you don't take it, and then, like, you see cards like Gilded Drake and other coming to play ability cards, and you're like, oh man, why did I take that Venser? And all of the cards start wheeling, and then you really regret not having that Venser. Yeah. When Venser is a good card in your deck, it's the best card in your deck. Well, and there's so many Enter the Battlefield triggers in the cube, because like like you said earlier, there aren't a whole lot of vanilla creatures running around. It's mostly creatures that do powerful stuff, either once they're in play or when they come into play. And the ability to abuse that every turn with Venser at at a plus two to loyalty, that's huge. That's good. Yeah. That's pretty nuts. All right. Um, that was the list. I ended on Garrick. I think you both picked Venser. Is that correct? Yes. I think Venser. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. All right. Do you want to do this last list? Let's do it. All right. This uh, is our mono black list. We start with Duress versus Dark Confidant. Hmm, I think Bob. Unpopular opinion alert. I'm going to slam the duress here. <laughs> really? And I don't think it's particularly close, right? Well, I'm not going to say <laughs> that because it is close. I just really like duress and Thoughtseize type effects in cube just because they're such efficient answers to, like, get your opponent's best cards, essentially. Yeah, Whereas Thoughtseize Bob, is real good. Yeah, Bob doesn't really go into every deck, mostly because sometimes you can just, like, if your curve is too high, it's just... A really risky proposition. He doesn't work in really controlling decks. He's just too damaging to your life total. He's definitely very powerful, but I I think that Duress is a little more consistent and a card that I'm very happy to run, so that's the card I'm taking. 
Drez is, is kind of dead late game. I mean, I think you just want spells that have some sort of immediate effect on the board, you know, mid to latter turns in cube, so I'll take the Bob. That, that's a good question, though. I mean, I think most people would probably just slam the, the Dark Confidant, I guess. I, I would take the Dark Confidant there just because it's, in my opinion, it's just more fun. There's a lot of ways to stack your deck, too, in cube. All right. Uh, Dresser Dark Confidant versus Doom Blade. Take the Doom Blade. Yeah, I think I will, too. Just efficient removal. I mean, you don't want too many spot removal spells in your cube deck. You you need to have some some way to win the game as well. But Doomblade is very efficient, and it answers pretty much everything. And black in general is a color that I think gets underdrafted, in our cube at least, For to sure. the point where the drawback on Doomblade isn't as much of a liability as it would be in something like M12 Draft or where, wherever it came from, you know? Right. It does exactly what I just said. It just has, you know, it's a sick top deck. It's something a card that has an immediate effect on the board the second you cast it, and it's good to clear the board for your attackers. It's good to save you from dying. I mean, I don't think there's really any argument to be made for Bob over this card. Oh, no argument. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think just Doomblade's a lot better than Bob. Bob draws cards. <laughs> That's the argument. It can also kill you. Sure, sure. All right. Um, Doomblade. We're all in Doomblade now. Uh, Doomblade versus Hypnotic Spectre. Yeah, I don't know. I think I still have to go to Doomblade, but I have a lot of... Uh, none of those cards that I love is just so... Um, you know, it takes me back to the early days of Magic. I love Hypnotic Spectre, but I think the Doomblade, for all the reasons just named, is, is the pick for me. Yeah, I'm kind of on board with that. I do like a Hypnotic Spectre, although I think a 2-2 flyer for 3 is kind of below the curve in cube a lot of the time. Yeah, it's definitely below the curve. It's really, really easy for opposing decks to deal with that in cube. Right. The problem with the Hespector to me is that by the time it hits, which is the fourth turn, and they discard a card at random, like a lot of decks, especially in our cube, have just played their broken spell already because they ramped into it or whatever, or they're an aggro deck that doesn't give a shit. And it's just like, it never... I don't know. The discard on the Spectre at being random seems really powerful, but random discard is much better on cards like him to Turak when you hit it turn two, and you're getting possibly their most powerful card, you know? What do you guys think about the Spectre in the context of Dark Ritual and Spectre on turn one? Is Dark Ritual in our queue? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. Uh, that's living the dream right there. I mean... Other than Dark Ritual into Necropotence, I can't think of anything else I'd rather do with a Dark Ritual on turn one. What about Dark Ritual Black Lotus? Okay, into... <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right, sorry. Slow, pump the brakes. Oh, Jesus. My fucking monitor just went out. <laughs> oh, sorry. Ah, you don't need the monitor to talk to us, Jeff. Uh, it has my list on it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next card. Um, we're on Doomblade still. Uh, verse... Oubliette. That's oh. the the kind. It's kind of like a uh, O ring. It's, Not it's, quite. It's more it's, of a. It's the uh, the other one. Journey to Nowhere for yeah, one for and two black. Yeah. Yeah. Got gotta go with the instant speed removal. That's permanent death instead of just can be disenchanted. Ah, but there's no other black card that can exile a creature. There's in the in the cuber ever. In, in existence, as far as I know. Oh, get out of here. Sever the Bloodline, son. Except for Sever the Bloodline. <laughs> sure, there are more. There are probably more, yeah. Well, 
it does something that a lot of black cards can't do. But I do think the instant speed on Doomblade makes it better. Yeah. Just and one mana less is a big deal. It's a lot more splashable. Yeah. I'll take the Doomblade as well. Cool. Um, Alright, Doomblade versus Juzam Jin. I think I still go with the Doomblade. Which I know is not technically in our cube, but it's way cooler than what's actually in our cube. Which yeah. is a Plague Sliver? Yeah. And the same card. I know. Um, uh, usually I'm sweet. I mean, we always talk about how black needs some legitimate threats for low amounts of mana. And, I mean, this is a pretty good example of that. I mean, it's a 5-5 with a kind of not very important drawback for 4 mana. It's, it's pretty sweet. I mean, obviously he's going to kill you if he goes unchecked in 4 turns. But, uh, you know, like we just keep talking about all day, there's so many big bodies in the cube and creatures are just too ridiculous things that a 5-5 doesn't really cut, you know, go the distance. Yeah, this is one of those few just vanilla creatures that we have in the cube, and... I do think Doomblade is the better card to pick here, but you know what? Fuck that. I'm taking Juzam Jin. <laughs> it's the coolness factor. Yeah, it's from Arabian Nights. You gotta pick that, right? He's holding yeah. like Aladdin in his hand, yeah. laughing in his face. Serious. Um, oh, damn. <laughs> you say something. Whatever you're gonna say, can it, Jeff? Alright. Uh, Doomblade or Juzam Jin versus Snuff Out? Hmm. That's a weird one. Yeah, I like that one. That's pretty even between Doomblade and Snuff Out. I think I'm going to take the Snuff Out just because people always forget that it exists, and they're like, oh, you're tapped out. You can't do shit and attack you. And it's like, nope, Snuff Out. Yeah. I found that Snuff Out, it's mostly when you're playing against Mono Red, is so just, bad. <laughs> yeah, just not that good, even but, though you can cast it for free. That I think Doomblade is probably the better of the removal spells to me. I mean, so, I'm better, but, like, safer, like, more, uh, God, I don't know what the, the I think the ar- or is. The argument here, though, is that Snuff Out does something that, uh, like, there's a bunch of cards that kind of emulate Doomblade in the cube, and there's nothing that emulates Snuff Out. The one that kills you if you don't pay for it the next turn. Okay, well, <laughs> I guess there's that. that called? Slaughter Pact. I'm still yeah. taking the gin. Arabian Nights all the way. Alright, um, we have... Alright, I'm going to take Snuff Out, but... I'll take Snuff Out, too. Alright, so Snuff Out or Jin versus Phyrexian Plague Lord. You guys hate Plague Lord, huh? No, I don't. I feel like most people hate Plague Lord who play with our cube. Maybe it's just Ryan. Yeah, we, we might have cut it, actually, but... <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, it's currently on our list online, but... Um, I like the Plague Lord, actually. He doesn't do... Like, he feels kind of vanilla, but he does some things that people don't expect. Like, I've blown people out with the card before because they just, like... They can't even read the onboard tricks because of him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they don't even understand how much stuff he does. He's really good with creature tokens or, like, generators. Like, I don't know if Sacred Mesa is in the cube or anything like that, but those types of cards play really well with the Plague Lord. With that said, those strategies tend to be really dirtily and yeah. typically not good enough in our cube. So yeah. I'm sticking with the Jin or Snuff Out or Doomblade over this card. It's always good to have a sack outlet in cube. I mean, more so than just normal draft, but I, I think he's probably just worse than the free targeted removal of Snuff Out. Cool. Um, all right, last card. 
We have Snuff Outer Jin versus Tombstalker. Tombstalker. I like Tombstalker a lot. I think that's the pick. Yeah. I'd probably take it over the Jin just because it's a what is a six six flyer? It's a five five. Five five flyer, yeah. I thought it was a six six for some reason. I mean I mean it doesn't actually hurt you during your upkeep, that helps. And yeah, sometimes it might be more expensive than the gin, but sometimes it might cost two mana. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd rather get there fast, the Tomb Stalker. I mean, I Delve, it's not as relevant as like when Tomb Stalker is played and constructed, because you don't really fill your graveyard by design that fast. Oh, Bizarre but, Baghdad. <laughs> with Bizarre Baghdad, I mean, there's no question, but <laughs> it's amazing how much better the Tomb Stalker is than the Jin, in my opinion. Um, I like both these cards. I'd probably take the Tomb Stalker just because he's a pretty serious threat. Can we talk a little bit about Bizarre Baghdad real quick? Sure, and how awesome it is. That card is so sweet. That is probably the, my favorite card we've added to the cube and since we've had it. Like, Yeah, I agree. It's... I've done some stupid things with that card, mostly just <laughs> the animator. But, yeah. I God, mean, I love it. I played, a, I played a game against Ryan where he had Bizarre like, super early, and he like did a bunch of stuff where he got to reanimate but I was able to deal with reanimation targets, and all this stuff happened to where, like, he just had this crazy filled graveyard, right? But he was out of big dudes. But he had a goddamn Psychotog, and all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, yeah. like, he attacks me, and I'm like, okay, I could take it. Wait, how much damage do I take if I take it? And I count it up, and I'm like, oh my god, that's lethal. Like, I can't, I have to block this for every turn for the rest of the game. Holy shit. Like, it was just, like, it dawned on me all of a sudden that, wow, like... It just turned this card into, like, a 15-damage creature. There's way more uses for Bizarre in a cube beyond reanimation. It's, it's, if you have a powered cube, like, it triggers, you know, Flashback and cards like Psychotog. And you can Yogg use Moss Will. Yogg Moss Will. And Living cards. Yeah. All sorts of crazy stuff. So many things. Yeah. It's, it's, like this, it's my favorite card in the cube right now. I would have a hard time not picking it in almost any draft that we do with the cube. <laughs> I just and it's, it does, what it does so fast too, which is yeah. so yeah. It, it's so funny too. It's like one of those things where before we had it, before we bought it, and it was like it came up and like, should we get this with our money? And it was like, ah, is this really gonna work? Like, is this card gonna be even be playable in our cube? And it turns out to just be so sweet. I'm yeah. so happy with it. The fact that you get to just draw two cards before you discard is also just completely, utterly insane. You, <laughs> yeah. you just dig so deep into your deck that you feel like you can't lose when you when you have that card in play. The The biggest downside to it is that it takes up a, a land drop and that it slows you down a turn, but yeah. it, it's totally made up for by the fact that you draw two extra cards every turn. It's absurd. And discard three. Yeah, well, whatever, <laughs> That's but that's what I want to do. <laughs> I know, I know. No, it's sweet. I, I love it. I fucking love it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was it. That was all of our pick-a-card lists, everyone. That took a while, but... <laughs> yeah, we've been going for a long time here, so we were going to discuss just cubing in general, so let's try and be brief on it. We might have to use the timer. <laughs> timer? How long? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Give me a uh, timer. Uh, how many minutes can I go? Can we go, like, 20 you can go minutes? go as much as an hour, yeah. All right. Let's One break. hour on the clock. We have 20 <laughs> minutes. Go. All right. What I want to talk about is kind of cube in general and, like, philosophy of cube, if you will. Uh, Jeff put together a nice little spreadsheet that we're going to work from here, and the first question he asked was, what is the point of cube? So, Jeff, why don't you lead us off? What, what do you think the point of cubing is? 
Well, I think it was originally created because people were like, hey, I have all these cards, and I want something to do with them <laughs> besides, like, build constructed decks. Um, and, like, why don't why don't I just put all my best cards together and we'll, I'll draft them? Um, so that's the point of it, really, is to play with your best cards and to have, like, a reusable draft at any time. So that's the general point. Uh, it's kind of evolved from there. But... Um, yeah, that's the main idea, is that you get to play with the best cards in Magic, and you get to play Limited for no cost, essentially. What do you so think, Spencer? Initial fee. Um, <laughs> sure. I mean, Jeff's, Jeff's point is, 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 of course, really accurate. I mean, I think the point of Cube, uh, there's so many different points to it. I mean, there's so many different ways you can have fun with it. But, I mean, what I like about it is that it's kind of, um, how contained it is, both literally and you know figuratively. It's like if you want to go draft somewhere, you got to get all the packs, you all the wrappers and stupid little rules cards and basic lands, just garbage you don't need. Then after the draft, you just a giant stack of swag that's also garbage essentially. And with the cube, it's like you go draft, you do whatever you want. You could you know you could seal deck, you could draft, you could Winston, you could Winchester, Rochester, any other format. And then when you're all done, you just pack it back up and put it in this little box and put it wherever it has to go, and you don't have any of that extra waste, and it's just like such a, um, I guess the best word is contained, and I just like it so much. It's portable. You can take it camping. You can take it on trips to GPs like we do and play in the hotel room. Um, there's just so many ways to have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, keep your eye on it at GPs, though. They get stolen, and they're generally worth thousands of dollars if you have really expensive ones. But You probably uh, should, should take it to the actual event, <laughs> the hotel room or the lobby or something. I see some people taking theirs into the event halls, and I, yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't do that necessarily. But I mean, it happens. And, and yeah, as long as you're, as long as you're careful and smart about keeping an eye on it and all that, and only playing with people you trust, like I think it's fine. Yeah. But it's it's risky for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, the coolest thing is that you're building your own draft format. Like you are taking. Like, if, if you just take all the best cards of Magic and put them in a box and, and draft with them, that's something. But it's not really, like, the, the point. The point is to build a draft format that... It doesn't even have to be balanced, but I like mine to be balanced. But it's, like, just to build a draft format that you love to play. And you, you're in control. Like, it's not up to Wizards to make a draft that you like. You get to make the draft you like. And that's what I love about it the most, is that... Like, if if there's cards in the cube, then I'm like, this this card just isn't fun. It's like, we can just take it out. We don't have to play with that card anymore. Yeah, it's a very personal experience building your own cube and figuring out what cards you like, what cards you don't like, and what strategies and archetypes you want to support or not support. Uh, and you really get to kind of c- construct or, like, create this constructed environment with a limited feel or, like, w- with singletons, essentially. And it's different every time you draft it. It's great. Yeah, it's great. All right, so speaking of building a cube, what is important when you're building your cube? What do you, what do you focus on? Like, what are the key points you want to hit when you're when you're creating your list and gathering all the cards that you need? I think the first thing that you have to decide is is what what is your cube? Like, generally, every cube has a theme. I guess um, the most common being just like the best cards in Magic. Period. You know. But uh, there are popper cubes where there are no rares. There are, um, you know, cubes that only have certain sets in them. Um, and there are, you know, there are cubes that do all kinds of different things. So it's really important to just get your ground rules. Like, what 
what are you trying to do? Um, I mean, technically, you can make a cube that isn't singleton. You could do you can do whatever you want. So um, just figure out what that is before you start, because otherwise, well, you're you're not you're not going by any roadmap here. Um, and on the same token, like figure out how big you want it, uh, because you know w- when a cube gets big enough, like it gets too big to where, like it's hard to control the actual feel of the draft, because you know you're not seeing some cards like many many draft for many many drafts. So I don't know. Ours is getting a little unwieldy, <laughs> but also it takes, takes more time to shuffle it up and all that stuff too. Yeah. It hasn't really changed in size in a while. I think it's been the same size for a long time. Yeah, but it's pretty big. I mean, we have one of the bigger cubes I know of. What is the size of our cube right now? Uh, 600 and something, I think. I, think more. I thought it was over 700 now. I always forget. Uh, I think it's over 700. There's 80 of the five colors, and then there's 10 of each two-color combination, and then one of each three-color combination, and then there's probably another 80 lands and 80 artifacts. That's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of cards. <laughs> That's a lot of cards. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, so so what Spencer just said, if, if you noticed, there was some symmetry there. That's pretty important. Um, you don't want to have, like, 10 blue cards and 150 green cards, because guess what color you're not drafting? Um, yeah. you, you, need, you need to have some kind of balance in there in terms of color symmetry. Uh, in my opinion, it doesn't have to be exact. Some people... <laughs> here on this podcast feel like it has to be exact. Um, I mean, how unexact are you talking about here? You want like... Just one or two cards off. I don't think it really matters, but... I don't like that. It feels dirty. <laughs> a little yeah, OCD, that, Spencer? I'm not... <laughs> What's that? I said, are you a little OCD when it comes to that stuff? Uh, I, I mean, I guess you could call it that. It just doesn't feel good. I'd rather just have any... I mean, it's not hard. But there's so many cards in Magic. It's not difficult to have the same amount of each color. No, it's not. Yeah. I think... Beyond just balancing the actual number of cards, you also need to balance the power between the colors and the archetypes as well. And that's pretty important, because if the mono-red deck just can't be beat, then everyone's just going to try to force mono-red in your cube drafts, and that's no fun. You want to be able to draft a variety of different strategies that are all viable. Yeah, I mean, to one, some token, like you might you might be interested in drafting a, like a not-balanced cube, for, I mean, there are magic sets where there is an obvious worst color, right? And you can still draft that and have fun because that color is often open, which means it's the right color to be in, even though it's the worst. Um, but you don't want the power discrepancy to be big. Like, if it's too big, then it's like, well, obviously I'm going to draft this color, you know. But it, I, I don't think that it, like, currently, and and I know Spencer doesn't necessarily think this true. This is true, but I think in our cube and i guess in cube in general right now black is the worst color um but i don't think it's the worst like in a major way to where it's like i'm not gonna take this black card because it's black like it's not that bad it's just it just doesn't have quite as much of an identity i think as the other colors yeah the strategy in black often tends to not be as like linear and focused as some of the other colors like it's really easy to make red aggro good in cube but yeah. there isn't a similar strategy in black that's obvious, you know? It's a really good complementary color to other colors. Like, like uh, Esper control is really good, and, uh, you know, blue-black control is really good. And I guess the point is just you can splash a lot of black removal in all your decks, and splashing things is so easy in cube because all the lands are so good that, like, you're better off just playing, you know, 
the, the splashable black cards and not the Phyrexian Obliterators because you'd rather play the other more efficient cards. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, just make sure that there's some balance in it because otherwise it's going to get unfun really fast, right? I yeah. really like one of Greg's points on the spreadsheet about avoiding unfun cards, which is kind of an interesting concept in Magic and our cube. And I think our cube kind of doesn't... Doesn't I mean, do take, that? <laughs> I mean, it, it consciously doesn't do it. Like, we know cards are in our cube that are, are unfun, but I know... Jeff, you really love mind-twisting people, and that's pretty much the most unfun thing you can do in Magic. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, that um, one and Armageddon are both pretty high up there, and those are both definitely in the cube. Yeah. yeah. We don't have two Armageddons, though. We talked about adding that second one, the uh, the Portal version or whatever it is. And Ravages of War, yeah. Yeah, it was, that was an instant thumbs-down for me, because it sucks enough to have to play against Armageddon. Like, I don't want two of my opponents to potentially have that card, or one yeah. person to have two copies of it. Like, I do think there is something to say about the fact that when it's a singleton cube, especially when it's like as big as ours, like 700 cards, um, having one Armageddon in the cube is not—it's not the end of the world. I mean, like if somebody dra- if somebody drafts it, like they're probably only <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> if somebody drafts it, they're only gonna get to cast it like maybe once a match on average, maybe less. And sure, like if they're casting and they're probably winning, and it's probably unfun, but. Like the amount of cube games that happen in an entire draft, like I don't, I don't think the unfunness is oppressive for just one card in the cube. Of course, when we have enough of them, our cube can become unfun, and that's something we want to avoid. Yeah, and I, I think that's the point: is you don't just want to like have every game be a race to see who can cast Combo their first. yeah, cast their big splashy "I win the game" spell first. You want to have some interactivity and. It's really difficult to do that in a powered cube when you're trying to play all the most powerful cards in Magic. So it's something you have to be really mindful of when you add and subtract cards and create your list in the first place. How guilty do you guys feel, if at all, when your first turn is like Swamp, Mox, Jet, Dark Ritual, Mind Twist for four? Not at all. No no guilt. And I wouldn't do that. I'd wait till the next turn to Mind Twist for six. Yeah. (laughs) I'm actually... (laughs) Fully on board with what Jeff said. I wouldn't feel bad at all doing that on first turn because at least they still have two cards. I mean, they're probably right. still gonna lose. But... <laughs> for, for, forgive me. Let's go with Jeff's scenarios. I mean, neither of those options you you feel guilty at all. No, I, I when I win for, with mind twisting on the second turn, I'm I'm giggling because I'm enjoying myself. And sure, the the game ends right there, but most opponents will just scoop up. I mean, and you just play the next game, and it's not like. They're bummed that they lost that game, but it's not like you lost like all this time. You know what they I mean? Don't even have anything to scoop up? It's, I know. It's also just one of those scenarios that's so rare in the first place that because you get to do it, it's worth doing it. You know, it's kind of like uh, going like first turn Black Lotus and a, a one mana artifact and a land and a tinker into, like, Darksteel Colossus or something like that. Like, that requires so many cards, requires so much of your deck just to get lucky enough to be able to do that on turn one that you kind of just have to do it, you know? Or just channel Fireball. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I guess we do have a Fireball in that cube, don't we? We have some of the rare ones. I think we have a couple, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Devil's Play is in there. Yeah, that's for sure in there. I don't know what the other one is. I think maybe Red Sun Zenith or something. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I like the... Because those things, they don't happen very often. Like, I remember a draft where I did Soul Ring, Signet, um, next turn, like, another ramp spell, and then Mind Twisted for 
whatever, six on turn three. And, like, I remember that game very well, but I can tell you that entire rest of the draft, I never did that again. Like, I never did close to that. Like, I might have mind-twisted another good time one other time in that draft. So it's not like the entire draft was just destroyed because I had a mind-twist in my deck with a lot of ramp. Yeah, and there so, are there are cards that can punish someone who goes all in on something like that. Like, if I have a duress and you kept a hand just because you were able to play a turn three mind twist for six, like, if I go turn one duress you, or if I happen to have one of those creatures like a Wiltleaf Liege or a Loxanon Smiter, that if you make me discard, it just comes into play, and, oh, you've, gone, and you've gone all in on a mind twist, like, and I'm just beating you down for four a turn every turn after that, like, I don't yep. know, like... There's there's some small ways that like that can work out against you if you do it, you know. Yeah. I guess the, the moral is kind of be judicious about what things you consider unfun. <coughs> Excuse me, and how you build your cube, and that know that you know some cards like Mind Twist and Armageddon, you know, are the epitome of unfun cards, but you kind of have to take them in the context of you know how you're going to cast them, what you know potential responses in your cube, how often they're going to come up, and just you know take that calculated risk when you're actually putting your cube together and playing with it. Yeah, I, I do have another interesting anecdote about what Greg just said. Uh, the last time we played with our cube, or I played with our cube, I, I'm hoping that you guys have played with it since, but uh, I mind twisted on turn three for just two because it was just fit my curve spot really well, and I wasn't going to do anything super broken with mind twist the rest of the game, except maybe make him discard three, you know? Um, so I did that, and I hit a goddamn, uh, what, the 4-4 four, four that gains him life when it comes into play. Oh, the Bailoth. And a Lingering Souls. Ah. Right to hit. <laughs> it was like, hard advantage. Uh, yeah, I lost that game. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Anyway. All right, I kind of want to transition this discussion a little bit while we're still on the timer. Uh, talking about, we've talked about how to start building a cube. Now, what happens when a new set comes out and you want to update that cube? What What do you need to keep in mind when you're doing that? When you're thinking about adding new cards from a new set? When we kind of have our own method. I don't know if it was a good method or not. I just started adding cards that I thought were cool in a new set. Or sometimes you get a new set and then you get another set like a, like a plane chase sort of, you know, auxiliary set come out with has new cards in it. And you can just add, you know, resource, have multiple resources adding to your update. You can always look back to the rest of magic too. So we've just been adding it to this Google doc. And as we are doing currently, just everyone just kind of chimes in on it. So it allows everyone to kind of <clears throat> post their opinions and, you know, you can make good points and counterpoints and see things that you didn't think of that your friends thought of about each card and kind of go through whatever, you know, pool of cards you're thinking about adding that way and make, you know, your cuts. I think it's also important to not just look at new cards that have come out, but maybe also look at older cards that you may once have had in the cube and then you have since taken out. Like, think about re-adding cards that you took out previously, or just thinking about trying something new. Like, if you want to shift a color's identity, or if you want to try to support a new archetype, like, we tried to make black aggro viable, and one of the ways we wanted to do that was by adding, a, like, a, a small zombie th- sub-theme with Lord of the Undead and Gravecrawler and Sarcomancy and all that. It didn't work out, but it was something that we tried, and we had to go back and look through, like, what are the best early drops in black? And most of them happen to be zombies, so it's, okay, well, let's also throw in 
a random zombie lord and see if that card's viable, and so on and so on. It didn't work out in that case, but that's just yeah, an example good. of how you can kind of look at cards besides the ones from the newest sets. Yeah, and I mean, if you're playing your cube enough, which we don't, but uh, I, well, I obviously don't because yeah. I'm not there, but I don't think you guys do enough either. But um, not, I'm not like <laughs> calling you out here. But, you guys are um, a bunch of bitches. You should play that cube some more. <laughs> you should. It's sweet. But it is, uh, it, it anyway, um, I like if you're playing it enough, you get to play test all your cards constantly because it's like a constantly evolving environment. And so, like, you can put in a card that you can think this card is probably not good enough, but I'm gonna put it in and try it because why not? Like, this is you're just you're just trying it out, and if it fails, you could take it out. Epic experiment. Yeah, we we did this recently with epic experiment. It was epically bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean you can do that, and then you know there's no skin off your back when you decide that it's not good enough, and you just take it out. Like it's not like Armageddon happened. <laughs> oh yuck yuck yuck. So let's to talk be fair, about. Oh, I said ahead. the same thing about epic experiment. We were adding it. Like it just seemed knowing what was in our cube, you know, and your favorite archetype, Jeff blue red it was just seems like there were so many ways and that card could have been sweet and you know it just wasn't but you know we said that as much when we're adding it in and then we're like all right so if this card we'll try it a couple times and if it sucks you know we'll just we'll just take it out and you know it was a perfect example of what you just said we just kind of threw a card that was kind of on the fence in there and you know maybe it was like this hidden gem like bizarre of baghdad or maybe it was just garbage and it turned out to be garbage so you know lesson learned totally yeah so and you, you can't be afraid to cut cards that you're fond of either if that card is not pulling its weight in drafts or if maybe you just need to change things up like sometimes really good cards need to get cut to affect your draft environment in a positive way and that sucks because a lot of what building a cube is 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 nostalgia and your feelings on cards from past limited formats past constructed formats cards you've had success with or cards that you just really like to play with but sometimes they're not the right fit for what you're trying to do with your cube, and they need to come out, and you can't be afraid to, to make those cuts. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, just keep in mind that, oh no. <laughs> Don't keep anything in mind. Well, you can finish <laughs> well, your point. Well, that's you been finish your... draft cast. <laughs> All right. Um, man, I, that just cut my mind off. What you can I finish your point about? if you remember what I'm it was. I'm trying to remember. Uh, keep in mind that um, when you're, like, that when you're building your cube, there's no way that there's enough spots in your cube for all the cards you want in your cube. Like, there's just too many cool cards in Magic. Yep. So, like, to say, like, oh, I want this Planeswalker in and this Planeswalker in, like, you're going to end up saying that to every Planeswalker because it turns out they're all awesome. And when you do that, like, all of a sudden you're you're playing, like, Planeswalker battles all the time and it's, like, not as fun as you might think it would have been. Um, and you just have to, like, understand when, like, things need to, like, be cut and just – you just can't go all out um, on certain things because there's just not room. You just don't have room, and uh, you can't be afraid of, like, ah, oh, but I can't cut this card. It's I love this card. It's like, yeah, but what card in the cube don't you love? You love them all. I mean, that's why you're building it. Yep. So. All right. Well, the timer went up. Do you guys want to discuss cube any further or – Cause I wanted to ask you guys what your, what your favorite cube moments were. Oh, I like that. Jeff, do you have any that come to mind off the top of your head? I've already said a bunch of them. Uh, favorite cube moments. I feel like I must have one. 
Uh, not off the top of my head. The last time we rotisserie drafted the cube at Spencer's house, there was... Uh, I, I drafted a reanimation deck, and, man, just, like, that whole day of playing matches. I didn't win all my matches or all my games or anything, but there were some games where you'd entomb and then reanimate a grizzle brand on turn two or turn three, and, and oh, my God, I just... Felt like I couldn't lose sometimes. It mostly because of Bizarre Baghdad. That card is insane. Huh. But like, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily remember specific games, but I remember that deck, and I remember being really excited about being able to draft it. And and that's something else I want to kind of I wanted to mention real quick is draft your cube in different ways, and you can have a lot of fun that way. You can Winston the cube. You can auction draft the cube. Do you guys have any auction draft stories you wanna? rehash like any like crazy bidding wars in an auction draft or anything like that i think i paid like maybe like a third of my money for time walk (laughs) probably worth it i have a crazy backdraft story which is also my favorite cue moment all right what is it at uh we go on this annual camping trip to this place near napa california every year and we were there doing this backdraft which you guys don't know is where you draft with Kurt Russell, right. what's that? You draft when you draft Kurt Russell. Yeah, you draft you draft the Kurt Russell, and then you escape from New York. No, <laughs> you draft you draft the worst cards, and the, the, the idea is you're going to pass your pile to somebody else, and they're going to build a deck out of it. So we're playing a five-person multiplayer backdraft, and I drafted just things that make mana and don't do anything else. <laughs> And I passed it to none other than the man, the legend, Ryan Hogan. And unfortunately, my last pick had to be, um, was it Hurricane? It was the card that's in our cube, Squall Line, I want to say. He was damage of players. So his deck was 22 cards that make mana and Squall Line. (laughs) (laughs) And we played two games because it's five players, so it takes a long time. So both games, like the four of us who actually have spells are damaging each other and like hurting each other and stuff. And both games... Ryan squall lines for like twenty and kills all five of us at once. <laughs> Two games I, in a row. I dubbed this game a draw, sir. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. He had the greatest time with the the twenty the forty or thirty nine land deck. That's pretty funny. You really didn't. Yeah, ha- you really got through it without giving him any other card that dealt damage. I like the only cards I I could give him that dealt damage were the last picks that I was forced to take. I was just taking like. Moxes and, and dual lands and mana vaults and stuff because those cards go around late because everyone thinks they're good so you're not picking them. <laughs> it's true. That's so funny. Just giving everything that made mana. <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome. I mean, yeah, you can do a million different things with a cube, which obviously by these stories you can tell: rotisserie, backdraft, auction draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a million things you can do. This is like. Essentially, if you're into, like, games, which if you're playing Magic, I'm guessing you're into games. Like, this is, like, like the best board game you'll ever play. If you're listening to this, you're probably a huge nerd. Yeah, it's true. But, yeah, but, I mean, it's like, I mean, you, you can play Settlers of Catan a few times, and, you know, it's fun. But, you know, playing Cube, it's different every time. You can do it so many different ways, and it's just, it, it's a reusable experience, which is, like, slightly different than regular limited it's really awesome and if you are a limited only player which i assume a few of our listeners are probably limited only players 
this is a great thing to do with your collection because, man, those cards are just sitting there doing nothing. Yep. I remembered one of my favorite cube moments. Do it. I resolved a factor fiction once against our friend Brian Young. And the four cards, or was it five cards I revealed? Five cards, yeah. Were Path to Exile, Pact of Negation, Mana Leak, Island, and Snapcaster. Wow. And I had a time walk in hand. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, didn't lose that one. (laughs) That's absurd. That's a good deck you had there. Yeah, I took the Snapcaster pile. Actually, that deck was pretty bad. That was a a different rotisserie draft where we allowed trades pre-game. No, that wasn't rotisserie. That was just sealed. Oh, that's what it was. You're right. You were there for that. Yes. That's another thing you can do with your cube is you can do cube sealed where you give each other however many cards, like 44, whatever the right number is. And that's something else that, like, man, it's kind of crazy in cube that you could sealed with a lot less cards than you would in a normal format. Or you could draft with, like, 10-card packs. Because oh, those are fun. Those I, are really fun. I love doing that because it forces you to play with some, like... Like, they're all good cards because it's a cube, but it does force you to play, like, with some cards that maybe you wouldn't necessarily play in the cube. Yeah. And But, yeah, that was a... That was one of my favorite moments, that that Factor Fiction. I think I posted about it on the East-West Draftcast Facebook when it happened. Nice. I I think that the 10-card the cube pack format is my favorite like because it kind of it doesn't hose but it makes the aggro strategies worse and aggro is so boring to me (laughs) (laughs) so i love it when people have to dirtle yeah i also really like uh, rochester drafting the cube although it does take forever yeah Yeah. talking about it talking strategy to the people is cool yeah i want a cube right now so bad (laughs) i want to roto draft the cube that's the best format yeah that's that is definitely the best format. Actually, the best format is Roto League. I like and that format, too. If we could Roto League the cube, we could we probably could. do that. We could. Why can't we? See? Man, now if, if any of you listeners are... Man, I guess... we ha- When was it that we did the Roto League? That was probably like a year ago, at least. Or, least yeah. yeah, we did a standard Rotisserie League where we had a, a, a Rotisserie draft of all the cards in standard... And then mm-hmm. built decks out of those and allowed trading and, and whatnot uh, and tried to play, like, many, many games over the course of a couple months. We never really got as many matches in as we wanted to, but, man. I got all you, my matches in. Of course you did. <laughs> to do that with the cube would be insane, wouldn't it? it would be That'd be pretty fun. So yeah. Fun. I'm down. Let's do it. Let's do it after this. <laughs> all right. Well... I think that's all I really have to do. We've been going long enough. I think we should probably wrap things up. Do you guys have any closing thoughts on Cube? Or if you want to throw any like gatecrash stuff in here for anyone who managed to make it this far without turning it off? Orzov's the worst. <laughs> Disagree. Uh, my final thoughts. Well, that's all the time we have on East, Ra- East West Draftcast for today. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can send an email to eastwestdraftcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is EWDraftcast. Jeff's is at JeffEWDC. Spencer's is at Spence Harris. No R yeah. in the first name. Two R's in the second name. And let's see what else. You can find our aforementioned Facebook page on none other than Facebook. Big surprise. You can search for us on there. You can just go to facebook.com backslash east or no, EW Draftcast. 
And you can find our website at eastwesttrafficast.com where you can download all of our, whatchamacallit, podcasts before they go up on MTGCast. And it's been a little slow getting some episodes up on MTGCast lately. So if you're really dying to get East West Draftcast the minute it's ready, check out the website. You'll find it on there. Uh, yeah, boys. I had I had a great time today. This was a good podcast. This was. I have one more thing. I Uh-oh. totally forgot. Uh-oh. Okay, really quick. Last night, me and Ryan Skype drafted online together. Oh, yeah. We did, we, oh, we did yeah. Innistrad, Innistrad Dark Essential draft, and we drafted the Curse deck. I'm talking <laughs> Curse of Thirst, Curse of Misfortunes, Curse of the Fancy Mustache. We'd got it all, and we fucking took down that draft. 3-0, baby. Curses. Nice. Forcing the issue. We did it. We did it. <laughs> Huzzah! Hooray! Miracle on ice over there. Miracle on MTGO. That's pretty much what it was. That deck was so bad. Oh my god, how did we win? I don't know, but it was the greatest. It was Afterwards, I was dumbfounded. I just kept saying, I don't believe this. <laughs> I think I it don't. just goes to show you that like people who draft old formats like that really often don't know what they're doing. Yeah, we found that out. That's pretty much yeah. what it was. <laughs> okay. But it was amazing. Which and one is Curse of the Fancy Mustache? Pierce Heart. That's what I call it, because he has a fancy mustache. The red one that deals you damage. The best one. The only one that's actually ever been played. Um, but How's yeah, stuck? every time we landed... By the way, Curse of Misfortunes is even worse than you think it is. It's like It's the one that searches up a curse every upkeep. But you can't search up a curse that you already have in play. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so there were times where it was like we played it, and all it was was just a curse of Pierce Heart or whatever. you got to have some diversity, son. But it did add to our count for Curse of you Thirst. you got to diversify your bonds. And we did, have, <laughs> we did have a curse thing going at one point that was dealing nine damage a turn. Wow. <laughs> it was so funny. That deck was so bad. Uh, Scarecrow is MVP as always <laughs> yeah what else is new right anyway that was it sorry I just had to get that out that's all good uh, hey Spencer thanks for joining us today this was awesome I uh, hope we can uh, have you on again soon and yeah, yeah let's go draft some cube roto draft online roto league alright it begins right now draft cast out that's what we call it.